The year is 2020. A wasteland and a field of ruin have destroyed our mana bases. There is but one solution, one way to save the metagame. Brave souls working for the benefit of us all. Welcome to the Astrolab. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Astrolab, the only podcast on the internet that everyone seems to want to ban these days, and I do mean everybody. I am one of your co-hosts, Joe Dyer, and with me, as always, is Mr. Not Scott Campbell. Thank you. How you doing tonight, Scott? Um, not Scott Campbell's fine. Uh, Scott Campbell's not fine, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm okay. I've been spending the last few hours uh, uh, getting uh, decks uploaded onto Magic Online. Because the uh, little was that, that mythic token or whatever uh, allowing right. us essentially god accounts for twenty five bucks for a couple weeks, I'm like, shoot, I'll go in and now I haven't played Magic Online in six years, with the exception of like fall of twenty nineteen when uh, Pioneer was announced, and and that was only for a little bit. I, I think I maybe even played only one league. Mm-hmm. Um, I was an idiot. I shouldn't have bought in. Um, I I shouldn't have used that money. Let me put it that way. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I quit Magic Online uh, outside of that little pioneer period uh, about seven years ago, almost seven, six, seven years ago, because it got to the point where I was seeing myself like updating paper and digital at the same time. I, I didn't figure it out then that I didn't have to do it for every deck. I could just like play only one or two decks in paper and play a bunch of stuff on digital. Like I, I, for some reason I didn't click. Um, right. Hindsight being 2020. Well, in this case, 2014, 2015. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I quit that now getting back in, especially after playing arena, like I've caught myself activating abilities before I hit my main phase, uh, clicking through the attack step, thinking I was going to get that chance to, announce attackers or not so a lot of stuff to get used to uh i probably won't even sign up for a league during this free period i'll probably just be uh play testing or not really play testing but just playing the modern decks that i have and just letting the decks i have formed sit until they give us god accounts again or i buy the decks or whatever i'm i'm really curious what's going to happen like why Watsy kind of dangled out this token, and we'll talk about that more in a few, a few minutes. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, everything's fine. Um, we got some stuff to take care of the yard because um, it's now a mess after having our puppy for two weeks. Um, <laughs> so uh, right. got got to clean that up. Uh, that's probably tomorrow. Um, just you know, trying to getting the the groove again at work like uh the holidays are done uh you know and what's what really sucks is once the holidays are done at work we get two holidays like back to back well three holidays really back to back to back new year's day martin luther king day which is coming up and then president's right. day next month uh because you know I, I work at at a, a business that uh is an issue of credit cards so we're kind of like on a, a bank holiday schedule 
So it's like, yay, holidays are done. Mm, no, um, no, they're not. So there are right. short work weeks, which means I got to ramp up my productivity to make sure I hit my numbers and just that stress and imposter syndrome and all that fun stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, not, nothing else really going on. You know, uh, the decorations from Christmas are being uh, boxed up, put away. Um, watching WandaVision, which we'll talk about uh, here yeah. soon. Um, and really trying to trying to get back into being excited for preview season. Like, I know we talk about uh, like uh, the Kaldheim cards and other cards that have popped up, but just with how the cards have been designed in the last couple of years, uh, how much the companion uh, mechanic still stings, or some of us who really freaking hate it, like me. Like, I remember, like, sitting on the edge of my seat as, like, Mark Rosewater is talking about the cards from Return to Ravnica and getting super hyped, right? Like, I, I miss that feeling. Like, mm. I just, I, I like, I see some of these cards, which we'll talk about uh, some of them, not all of them here, but we'll talk about some, but I, I miss the hype of getting super excited for new cards and previews and where's it going to go and I'm going to try this in this deck and wasting money buying cards that I wind up never playing or you know whatever right and it's just you know I I, I don't know I don't know if it's just um, the impact of 2020 uh, the brief uh, so far and hopefully remains brief impact of 2021 yeah. um, or just some other things that just like I I really like what they're doing with Kaldheim. I just, I I want to see that excitement from me. Maybe it's just me being old. Who the hell knows? So, I don't know. But anyway, enough about all that stuff because we want to have a good, fun show. Joe, how are you and your family? Everybody doing okay this week? Yeah, yeah. Just another week of, of virtual kindergarten, you know? Yeah. So... Um, but, uh, I am, uh, officially recording this from, uh, my brand new computer. Yeah. All uh, right. so yeah, that was something, uh, that was assisted to my donation drive project and was able to finally get together parts for it. Uh, I got really lucky, uh, in some places, uh, with stuff, with parts, ordering and parts purchasing. Uh, one of the big primary things was like, uh, that I had figured out pretty early on was uh, pre- actually not pretty early on but one of the things i figured out that kind of near the tail end of things was that i actually really needed a, a graphics card and uh because the uh motherboard even though the motherboard has a port for hdmi uh because of my cpu not supporting integrated graphics uh it didn't work with integrated graphics so i had to have a graphics card so thankfully one of the one of my uh, brethren in the Team Sirius crew was like, hey, I've got an extra uh, card that's about four or five years old sitting around. And uh, if you want it, we can work a price out, and it's pretty cheap. And, yeah, it worked out nicely. I uh, was able to pick that up. He sent it off, got it Thursday, and got it. Got everything kind of started setting up and ready to go. And I'm pretty happy so far. Uh, everything so far is running very smoothly. Uh, even as I sit here uh, doing recording and stuff, uh, my CPU is sitting at a nice kind of cool 31 degrees Celsius. 
Nice. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty happy with that. Like, well, this cooler that, that this cooler that's in this thing, my CPU cooler. This thing is that thing is freaking massive. Like it is it is quite large. Uh, I'm amazed that it it stays in position every time I look at it mm-hmm. <laughs> because it is it is gigantic and it's got this big fan and the fan has LED RGB lights in it. So right now it's just pulsing purple or whatnot. Uh, case has like RGB LED LED strips in it. So it's on the side of it. It's got a strip at the bottom. It's, it's got a glass tempered glass side so you can see in mm-hmm. to it. So that's kind of neat. R- RGB. So it's a fan of Teamer then. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, RGB. Nah. No, this would be Jund. Okay. It's it, it, it's it's Jundin. So yep. uh, I'm pretty happy. Uh, I ended up buying, upon recommendation from uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Min, of uh, MinMax Blog, uh, he recommended I purchase a uh, NVMe SSD for my primary data storage and operating system stuff. And I, I couldn't be happier with the thing. I got a one terabyte nvme ssd and uh it's incredibly fast <laughs> this pc boots in three seconds to windows literally from power button on to that's windows. awesome it's just literally that quick <laughs> and i'm just like all right cool and uh so far everything i've tried to throw at it so far was between like moto and whatnot like in some of the games that i've been wanting to play uh have just been not it just it just kind of like hey, cool I'll just, let's go like it's this is all good so <laughs> uh so i'm i'm gonna try and i, I couldn't get to it tonight mm-hmm. uh but uh I, i'm gonna try at least maybe tomorrow night and try and get on and see if i can do some testing with Streamlabs oh, and okay. whatnot and see if i can do some streaming and st- see how that goes uh and see how it reacts to that because that's the other thing I want to try and make sure it works with. I want to make sure it works with OBS. I want to make sure it works with Streamlabs so I can do some recording and do some stuff. I have a fairly spicy vintage uh, deck to try and play around with uh, at some, hopefully when I can get to that because it's um, I have a version of a vintage enchantress that I've Whoa. continually kind of poked at and tweaked at and poked at and tweaked at over uh, some over time. And uh, the deck's actually pretty funny. <laughs> so <laughs> any deck because I guess to play May deck rest in peace is just hilarious. Hey now, so you know if you say uh, rest in peace three times on a podcast, Aaron Campbell will appear. Uh, she probably will, <laughs> and she'll probably look look at me and go, "Why are you like this?" <laughs> probably. Uh, guaranteed yeah that's that's probably pretty accurate but it, it, it's okay aaron if you're listening to this i have my mortified hand just waiting for your <laughs> yeah i mean it's it well because instead of trying to go on the realm of uh you know be able to make a bunch of mana with uh sarah sanctum mm-hmm. uh you i'm go more going on the route of using rest in peace with the uh helm of obedience for okay. the kill condition so, so you kind of get that uh, aspect of it. So it it's nice. It's fun. That, that <laughs> you is know? something that I, I do have to admit with rest in peace in older formats like Legacy and even well, I, I guess Vintage. I've not obviously played Vintage. Maybe I will with this whole thing Wizards given us. Um, 
but uh, there is dredge. Yeah, yeah, there there is dredge. Um, is the fact that if you're playing a graveyard deck and your opponent is playing the Rip Helm combo, it's like, all right, at least I know the game is going to end quickly. Mm-hmm. You're not sitting there like trying to fumble around and hard casting Golgari Grave Trolls and Narc Amoebas and other stuff like that just to get around the rest in peace and go on a beatdown aggro plan or whatever. It's like, all right, the game's going to end soon. Cool, I can pick my stuff up and go. Yeah, the nice the nice thing about Vintage, at least in that regards, is I'm dreading having to play against a Bizarre deck mm-hmm. because I'm pretty sure the Bizarre deck just rips me apart. I'm pretty sure that's like the worst matchup because of Force of Vigor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like when they can deter both pieces of your combo in one card. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like at the same time. That, like, that card is gas. It's just like, yeah, okay. They, so they're just going to let you get to the point where you've got Helm of Obedience in play and activate Helm of Obedience, and then they're going to be like, Force Vigor, both your rest <laughs> in peace and your, and your Helm. Ha, uh, gotcha. And you're just like, oh. Like, no, (laughs) no, (laughs) it couldn't happen. Yeah. So that's why I like Sterling Grove is obviously in the, in the list. Uh, And then a destiny spinner is also like a great backup win condition Mm -hmm. uh, because it can, if you can spit out a whole bunch of enchantments, you can make a really big creature with destiny spinner. Uh, and then also you have the uh, famed and, and well tried and true uh, Earthcraft uh, Squirrel Nest combo. Nice. So that's also a thing. But Earthcraft is also just a, like a generically good card because most of your lands that you want to put into play are mostly basic. Uh, so you can put in you'll play in a forest and you can have like a wild growth attached to a forest and you can tap your enchantress to untap your wild growth forest and then mana ramp that way. So Earthcraft just gives you a whole bunch of, oh, cool, this is how I get past, get mana ramp my way out of situations. See, there there is justice for Earthcraft out there, Ruben. Assuming Ruben's also listening because he's been wanting Earthcraft unbanned in Legacy, and I'm like, just play it in Vintage. Right there. Yeah, it it will never happen in Legacy, unfortunately. At this point, no, not at all. No, and and it's not because the card's too powerful. It's not like it's it's quite literally perfectly fine on power level with Legacy right as it stands right now. Mm-hmm. It's just the sheer fact that it's a reserveless card. That's the only reason they will never unban it, and that's that's weird to say that because that means they're quite potentially acknowledging the secondary market at that point. But yeah. they kind of have to. Like, it's there's just no way that they could ever unban that card and that card not be like a hundred dollars. Well, maybe if like someone at Watsy won the Powerball, then they would be able to use that money to pay for the alleged lawyers when they remove the reserve. List, <laughs> right? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, uh, I don't see that happening anytime soon either. So, but uh, yeah, so um. Scott and I have alluded to it a couple times, uh, but there is this Magic Online all-access token that they are doing uh, for two weeks. started on um, Wednesday, uh, and then it goes through the 27th. Uh, One of the biggest reasons uh, that they're doing this is that they are running a whole week and a half worth of super qualifiers on Magic Online. 
Uh, and what you can do is you can buy two of the tokens, and two of the tokens get you entry into one of those super qualifiers, while also giving you access to literally almost every card in Magic Online. Uh, now I say, all, even though it's an all-access token, I say almost all-access because there are certain cards that you cannot get with the all-access token, and that's generally uh, really, really rare promotional things. Like, you can't use the old-bordered uh, power with the the all access token, uh, that's just not something you can do. The, really? The old, yeah. The they have the old bordered old art VMA power that was part of the VMA flashback drafts when uh, they brought back VMA. Okay. You can't you can't use those. I uh, I, I didn't get a chance to look at what was available yeah. for vintage or whatever. Uh, secret layers. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You can't use. Or you can't access the uh, the Walking Dead stuff. Yes, uh, but, but you but you also can't access any of the special secret lair arts or any of the really no. Yeah. Uh, I was finding like assassin's trophy or not assassin's, oh, yeah assassin's trophy and uh, what was and it, it lets you and it lets you add it without any issue. Oh, I didn't add it because I didn't want to add it. <laughs> okay, I should yeah, I should if, try it next time. Yeah, if you add it to a deck, it will say it's not in your collection, uh, even though even though it shows it in the the thing, it will. It will say it's not in your collection, so yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was getting that uh, message saying um, uh, you can't put cards uh, in a trade binder that are not in your collection. Yeah, that's you're gonna get that. That yeah. that's normal. Yeah, that's I'm like, normal. okay, I'm not wanting to trade these free cards. Like, yeah, that would be the perfect scam. But the um, the no. <laughs> the way that this works is that none of the cards are actually on your account. Yeah. Yeah, it just kind of flags something in the system that lets you access them mm-hmm. and makes it so that when you put them in a deck, that it doesn't flag the deck editor to say you don't have this. Right, and, and yeah. what's cool with this is, is, sure, there's all these events you can enter in with real money and, and potentially get real money back uh, or tickets for other Magic Online stuff or whatever, right? But you could just, like, like if you have this goofy idea for a deck... You just make it and go hang out in a practice room and play a best of three match with some rando on the internet. Uh, you know, like before we record today, I'm like I load up like I think eight decks. I have my or actually no more than that, like eleven. Uh, now I think about it, loaded up all eight of my minor decks and three legacy decks, and I'm still not done. Um, and I'm like let let's give El- modern elves a spin. I haven't played it in a minute. And I went up against someone playing this Rakdos 8-Rack deck, running, like, the Rack and Shrieking Affliction and Blightning and all this cool stuff, right? I'm like, so Man. So er- Eric Miller dot deck. Uh, kind of, yeah. Like, like one, one of <laughs> his sorry, disciples. Eric Sirfoss Miller dot deck, yes, I should say. Probably one of his disciples. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got hit with Blightning with no cards in hand. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take the three damage. Um, right. I want to win the match. Uh, but it, it was just so fun being able to just like tune out everything going on and just play some modern, um, you know, like, and I'm sure you get that at times when maybe you've had a bad day or, you know, whatever's going on with virtual kindergarten or, or just life in general. And you're like, I'm going to play my elemental legacy deck. Yeah, and it goes off, right? And then next thing you know, you're posting uh, it on Twitter or something. That match was so funny. Right. So for like, those who aren't aware, I, I posted a picture of uh, what was referred to as peak legacy practice room nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> simply because the practice rooms aren't perfect. 
Uh, occasionally you run into that person that's running like something that shouldn't really even be played in that format. Like, and I don't, and I mean that from the standpoint of you run into that person that's playing basic lands and, uh, they're playing cards that are just like, wait, why would you ever cast this card in a, in like legacy or modern or, you know, it, it feels like a standard deck, you know, sort oh. of thing. Are they trying yeah. an idea or something? Like, are they playing like a mono blue painter or something crazy or, like that? Or, or, or no, just like you run into the weirdest stuff sometimes and you're just like, okay, why? And then you're kind of like, okay, this huh. doesn't make any sense. Weird. And you feel, and of course, at that point, you feel kind of bad because you're playing like a tuned metagame deck or something like that. Sure. But uh, so I, I played a match on uh, Legacy Vile Elementals, uh, which when you actually look at the deck list for this deck, like you're like, okay, I could see why this deck works. The synergy all the pieces that kind of do the things in this deck, you know, it's a flamekin harbinger risen reef deck and you can, you know, power out lands and you can draw a bunch of cards and there's all these little pieces that interact with each other. Uh, you know, cards like Vesper Lark and Thunderkin Awakener and all these elementals that kind of interact with each other voice or resurgence. Um, there's also uh, you know, phantasmal images in the deck make copies of things. So you can make copies of your risen reef. Uh, I've won games before by casting uh, Omnath, Locus of the Royal, and using getting the damage trigger off of it, and then kick, casting a Phantasmal Image to make a copy of Omnath to get another damage trigger off. So, you know, there's just... It's tons of cool things. Well, I ended up playing against somebody playing Ally Combo. <laughs> like, allies. They were playing literally allies. allies. And awesome. cards like cards like arcane adaptation mm. to make all their stuff allies so that they could cast turn timber ranger to make infinite allies with nice. uh, either halimar excavator or Calastria healer in play now that's an old standard deck allies. and i'm like i'm like man like what the heck and then at one point kid you not uh i gotta i gotta look this card up because i i'm pretty sure I remember what this card was called. Was it Matt Farney playing allies? Uh, no, uh, it, it it just it's it like was it's so just, weird. Speaking of local people, we know it play like right. certain archetypes or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, the at one point I put a uh, a flamekin harbinger into play, and this was game like three, I think. I would say it was a good game three, uh, and I put a. Because I lost game one somehow. Like, it was just, okay, cool. You got the turn timber ranger thing. Sweet. Next game, I just had all the removal, and I just kept bolting and dismembering things that were just on board that nice. could did anything. And I kept putting Wismares into play, destroying the enchantments. And uh, game three, I, I put a Flamekin Harbinger into play. And one of the cool things you can do with Flamekin Harbinger and Risen Reef is Flamekin Harbinger says you go get an elemental and put it on top of your library. And then Risen Reef says, you know, whenever an elemental comes into play, you know, you get to look at the top card and you either put it in your hand or put it, you know, on into play if it's a land. Why not play tapped if it's a land? Uh, so the cool thing you can do is you order the triggers so that you put Risen Reef on the stack first and then Flamekin Harbinger. So that Flamekin Harbinger resolves first. So you go get your element, whatever you want to get, and then Risen Reef just puts it in your hand. Instead of, you know, having to wait a turn. And 
I, I put the triggers on the stack, and they cast Artificial Evolution on my, my Flamegan Harbinger. And that says, it's a blue instant for one blue, and it says, change the text of target spell or permanent by replacing all instances of one creature type with another. The new creature type can't be wall. <laughs> so they changed elemental on Flamekin Harbinger to ape. <laughs> and I said, well, I guess I'm not searching. <laughs> and then they cast artific- another copy of Artificial Evolution. Holy cow. <laughs> so on the Risen Reef trigger to change it to say uh, on, on Risen Reef, they cast it to on Risen Reef mm-hmm. to say badger <laughs> instead which actually was pretty good because it shut off that particular risen reef for the rest of the game because it could not trigger off of other elementals it would only trigger off badgers right or um fantastic images right well yeah or no i mean like no like badgers that's it Phantasmal images are shapeshifters oh, oh yeah yeah they're not changeless yeah. Yeah, yeah no no yeah so i was just like well uh, and somebody was like, who runs that card in their sideboard? And I said, people that play allies. And they were like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> so, yeah, the practice rooms can be pretty random at times, but they're free to play. So that's why you run into such random stuff in there. Um, and that's cool, though. Like, yeah, you know, for... It's like playing at an FNM with nothing on the line. Exactly. And if that's what you want to do, that's great. Like, um, you know, but yeah, so there's obviously you can play leagues. You can play any of these events. Um, if you buy the token and if you're going to play in any of the premier level events, like the, the super qualifiers, it just makes a lot of sense just to buy a second token just to use that as the entry. Because the entry for super qualifiers are 40 tickets. Mm-hmm. And so, if you wanted to spend the forty, if you wanted to spend forty tickets on top of twenty five dollars, that's another forty dollars. Or you could spend another twenty five dollars, and yeah, you're spending ten tickets over the the entry fee because it's fifty dollars at the point. Right. But you're only spending another twenty five dollars instead of spending forty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why they, that's why they did that. They made it so that if you just spend, if you bought another token, uh, and then no matter what, it will. It will technically remove the token from your, like, the tokens that you purchased from your, like, inventory, but you'll still have the all-access until the 27th. And, and what's crazy, it's it's that, that particular item right there where you can use two of those tokens to get in. I, I really have a feeling that they're using this as some type of test. Oh, I'm sure they to, are. To see, like, all right, so we're, how many people bought just one token? And how many of those people did not enter an event? How many of those people bought two tokens and entered an event? You know, that type of data they're going to use to be able to determine, all right, should we take that step and give people, allow them to buy access to Magic Online and then have to buy uh, tickets to enter events or or whatever? Yeah, the the problem with that is, and this is where a lot of these issues are going to get discussed on that Mm -hmm. is that in order to do something like that, which basically what we're talking about is we're talking about a subscription model for magic online. Right. 
essentially. In order for people to do that, uh, to have the, to, for the for, for wizards to do that, they're going to have to completely restructure how pricing works on Magic Online. And that's like there was there was a post I saw about this, and it was in relation to Seth asking about how much money would you be willing to spend, you know, on a monthly basis to give access to Magic Online. And it was uh, Brian, it was the professor, who responded, was like, oh, it should just be $25, $30, blah, 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 blah. You know, you know no, no hands down, you know, just $25, $30. Which he's and right, I, but yeah. And, and a lot of the, com- well, he is and he isn't, because a lot of the commentary back at him was, okay, but how do you justify making, uh, you know, entering events worth it at that point? How do you just prizing to make it worth entering events? Because prizing right now, especially if you go to leagues, prizing in leagues is based on treasure chests. And treasure chests give you cards if you open them. Or or you sell them to bots, you know, for, you know, money because based on how much treasure chests are at that point in time, that that kind of change completely plummets the market of what treasure chests are worth. And that kind of makes it the incentive to actually lender leagues and enter events and all that stuff not really worth it. So either they have to switch to a system where they're paying out in cash, for like cash prizes and stuff. Which they won't do that unless it's like MPL level event. Well, I mean, but yeah, they'd have to. Like that's the yeah. thing. It would just would make it would make even playing leagues not worth it. Yeah. Uh, it also makes limited events really awkward. Especially limited events that that actually are non-phantom. So there's there's testing here, but I think also uh, I suspect for a while we're only going to see this thing brought out for big event big event pushes. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. don't I don't expect anything to happen. Hell, I don't expect anything to happen this year. No, with whatever no. data they gain from this, I I expect no. this to happen like when we get to. A couple weeks when we're in the thick of um, Strixhaven previews, I, I expect this to come back then. Buy this, Maybe. and then you can enter events. Another event push. Um, right. Coincidentally, this all ends mm-hmm. before Kaldheim gets put on there. Right. Yeah. When, so you won't be able to, to use this update. to play. Yeah, you won't be able to use this to play with any of the Kaldheim cards. Right. Now so, you you were telling that... me uh, to upload decks to just. Uh, copy the deck list from goldfish yeah and then import it that way now um if you are on goldfish and looking at a deck and you see snow covered lands but those uh if you hover over it on goldfish and it shows the uh uh kaldheim snow covered lands don't worry magic online will of course fix that and give you the correct snow covered land or you can go find the version you want or whatever right so yeah there it's real easy to do um, I did it, and then like, all right, I, I don't like these versions of these cards, and went and just put the ones I want on there. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I I will note that unless you have like a really like stupendously fast PC or whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, because it, this is an all access account technically, you do also get access to foils on Magic Online. Yeah, I thought about it, and uh, <laughs> it's not worth it's not worth it. Like sometimes it it can really slow down your PC. If you if you don't have something that is like top of the line, 
or whatnot, it can actually really slow down your PC, which makes things hard. It makes it harder to play. Right. Actually, so. let's let's touch on that real quick for a second. Like with how unfortunately waves hands of the world things are, um, the way for us to interact with each other is through gameplay, whether it's Magic Online, whether it's World of Warcraft, could be any game, um, Rocket League, whatever. Right. Now, granted, Rocket League. I probably shouldn't even mention that because that's on PlayStation. Like, if you're playing a game on PlayStation or Xbox against someone else online, more than likely that other person has a similar internet connection and has the same console you do. So the expectations for for the rules of engagement uh, when you get into the game, both there, there should be an understanding from both sides of what both parties are going to expect it's kind of an even playing field. But say with us, say if we were in World of Warcraft and you were on your old PC, um, and with my PC I bought in March of 2020 or whatever, right? Right. You know, I'm going to be at an advantage because my PC, at, compared to yours then, is running faster if we were to enter a PvP event or something. And when it comes down to playing games, even like what you just mentioned, someone using foils. Because I, I, I know someone that uses foils on Magic Online, but that, that's just, that's their shtick, right? That's how they are. Right. And it's cool. But, like, the other party, their PC might not be able to process that information fast enough. That can impact their their play, their thought process, could impact a number of things. And But the person playing the foils won't know that. And right. that, that's where some of these games that have some level of interaction, it, it, it's kind of hard to parse that. It's kind of hard to understand that from the one player side. And I tried expressing this in some of the games I play, like the uh, Neverwinter Nights uh, user-created server, uh, Forgotten Realms Cormier. And like I was telling them with an event that happened, gosh, almost two years ago at this point, like, hey, you did this massive PV PvP thing, but uh, I don't like it, first of all. And secondly, my system wasn't able to handle it. And obviously the server wasn't because it crashed several times. Right. So it's like, why do we even do this? Like, now all the plot and everything that was involved around the event, both before and after, is just crap. Because anytime someone brings it up, they just think about the fight. They don't think about any of the cool story or bits or, or whatever, right? And, you know, hopefully as we all learn to communicate with each other in this weird time, that we can find those moments where it's like, hey, let's go play this game. All right, well, they need to have like essentially a rule zero. And like, can your system handle X? Can, can this happen? If not... Cool. We need to figure it out so your playtime, when we're together, is as good, if not better, than my playtime. That way, everybody's having a good time. So, anyway, that's my sidetrack on that. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about Caldheim. Um, Wait, there, there's a new Magic set coming out? Yeah. Really? Well, I mean, yeah. So uh, we're still knee deep in Caldheim. Uh, spoiler season. Uh, this is the second week of spoiler season we're running into. A lot more uh, snow cards this time around, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of snow cards. Uh, I'm so uh, Scott and I talked about this a little bit. 
uh, in the pre-show, but I'm actually pretty thankful that Wizards somehow managed to design like a boatload of snow cards and have them mostly be playable only in standard, uh, which is wild to think about, but it's probably pretty smart. Um, given that, you know, there's still snow stuff running around modern with the Uro decks. There's yeah. still snow snuff. There's obviously snow stuff running around legacy. Uh, and I, I'm probably quite literally going to have to put a, a section of my article, uh, this, this coming week, uh, that just is, as part of my set part set to set review part two, that basically just addresses, these are all the snow cards in Kaldheim and no, they are not all playable. Like, cause there are some of them that are just like, you look at it and you go, eh, yeah. Eh. Um, the biggest one that, uh, that's not even a snow card, however, uh, is the, uh, supposed snow hate card that was supposed to be coming. And when I say snow, snow hate card, I mean one single card in this entire set that hates on snow. And we knew that because Gavin had said something about that on one of the streams. Yeah, on his that, uh, Good Morning Magic, there yeah, was one that, card. One card. So there is one card in this entire set that hates on snow. Mm-hmm. That's it. And uh, I kind of am not surprised. Uh, I'm also not surprised that the card's not good, other than possibly in standard, simply because uh, I it's a standard legal set. They were never going to print anything that would have impacted snow to the point where it would have been unplayable in standard. Yeah, see, that's the thing, though. It's like, they I still think they could have done something to where it would have been a counter to Snow, to where, if, like, right now in, in Standard, heck, right now in Historic, you're either playing Uro uh, or you're playing against it. Well, like, in Standard, you're probably playing Rogues. Or yeah, playing it, sta- sta- it. Standard, is, standard is you are playing something that uses Throne of Eldraine cards. Yeah. And supplementing with other cards like your deck is 90 almost you know 80 percent throne of eldraine stuff because throne of eldraine is still like way more powerful than like pretty much every other set in standard right now even with all the cards that they've banned out of throne of eldraine there are still a billion cards in that set that are just way more powerful Mm -hmm. uh and it's the nice thing about Kaldheim so far, I have to give them credit that Kaldheim does feel less powerful than Eldraine. Uh, it feels, pre- you know, as far as power level is concerned, it feels a little bit better than uh, than what we were expecting. Yeah, so. thank goodness. Because, yeah, yeah. Like Throne of Eldraine was a fall set. Yes. So all the sets that came after, Theros Beyond Death, Ikoria, all, all that stuff, it's still around. Uh, until we get to this fall, when we get right. the first of the two Innistrad sets. Right. So uh, so the card that we did get is uh, a double-faced, uh, modal double-faced card, because it is one of the gods of this set. Uh, and it's uh, Raidane, the god of the worthy, uh, for legendary creature god on the front face, two and a white. Uh, flying Vigilance, Snowlands, your opponent's control, enter the battlefield tapped. Non-creature spells your opponent's cast with converted mana cost four or more. Cost two more to cast, and it's a 2-3. On the back, it's an artifact, a legendary artifact for three and a white. Uh, it's a Valkmira Protector Shield. 
if a source an opponent controls would deal damage to you or a permanent you control would prevent one of that damage. Okay. Whenever you are a permanent you control becomes target of a spell or ability and opponent controls, counter that spell or ability unless it's a controller pays one. It's not, uh, it's not so it's like an amulet of safekeeping on the back. Sure. Basically is what it is. But so the front path is awkward because it's three mana and it's also uh, not really doing a whole lot to the opponent. It's just delaying them uh, by having the lands enter to the battlefield tapped. Right. Like the, the big thing for me with that is the snow duels, which we'll definitely see play. They already come into play tapped. So there's nothing happening there. So what? Right. Their snow basic comes into play tapped. Okay. And then I like the non-creature spells your opponents could control. Uh, Cast. Yeah. Yeah. That that part's fine. But the problem is, and, and I'm really curious about the the ratios between uh, creatures and instants and sorceries and standard sets over like the last ten years. Um, but it seems like in this day and age most spells people cast especially in standard and and even in historic are creatures so this benefit i don't think will come up that often i i don't know maybe maybe not yeah i mean the the biggest issue is like it says snow lands yeah i i think it would have been much more interesting if it said snow permanence yes uh and i think that would be a little bit interesting uh the fact that it's a two three uh, especially for, again, going to a format like Legacy, uh, where, you know, being a 2-3 in Legacy is, as a white card is kind of a death knell for being able to actually play the card. Yeah, you can't uh, get this with Recruiter of the Guard, so yeah, it's, it's yeah. already out for death and taxes. Yep. And it, it's just, the, you're not going to play this against Snow. It's not going to do anything against Snow. Uh, yeah. they're, they're gonna They can fetch duels around it, uh, and they can also just elk it with oko you know so i just don't it just doesn't do enough but again i didn't i my expectations for the card were also low to begin with Mm -hmm. so i'm like not like like oh you know i'm not like upset i just i realized quite pretty early on this is how it was going to be this was we were going to get something like this right it was going to be a three mana etb tapped like it was going to be like a thalia heretic cathar for snowlands and that was going to be my guess right it seems like what they were trying to do with this card like i'm right. looking at like what's crazy is if you just look at the card uh two and a white two three flying vigilance and nothing else so there's nothing else on the card that would have been okay yeah, not not necessarily for legacy, but just still been an okay card to play. It seems like them adding on the the snowlands coming into play tapped and the non creature spell clause. It seems like them adding on to that made the card worse. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, um, it's just so you're just kind of like if, if your opponent's playing snow, maybe this is okay. Yeah, and of course the back half at least gives you something to do if your opponent's not playing snow. That that's true, and we've talked but... about this before with Kalpheim <laughs> where. You have these legends, and say if you have four of them in your deck, well, you draw the second one, and you already have one in play. Well, now you can't do anything with it. You hope you try and block with it, or suicide attack it, or whatever. Well, now you can play the the shield side, so that gives you an option to, to play there. Now, granted, both sides are legendary, but still, uh, it gives you a uh, reason to play four in your deck. Now, I will say this about the card: uh, you can probably play this in historic because. You can fetch it with Militia Bugler. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so. that's possible. Yeah. 
I don't know. It just depends on how how much historic becomes infested with the snow mechanic. Yeah, which I, I'm I'm guessing it will be like. Well, like I I really see the snow duels impacting modern a lot because outside of well, heck, we don't even want to play opt on turn one sometimes. Um, if your hand's good enough, you can just fetch for a snow duel at your opponent's instep, and then untap and play a snow basic, and. You're you're fine. You're not down anything. You've not lost tempo, and you're you're just you're playing some snow plan with ice fang quaddle or something else equally stupid. Um, you know, I uh, I I get why we have snow, and I'm it's cool that they have things that are not just snow lands. Like we have snow creatures, uh, which we might talk about here. Snow instants and sorceries. Right. So. They're doing things, and there's a lot of flavor with the set. It's just that the fact that, you know, maybe maybe you worked hard to get, like, all the John Avon. I think he did, what, Invasion or whatever, uh, basic right. lands. And they're, they look cool. And maybe you did some cool trade with someone or someone hooked you up. So you got a story behind it. And now that's completely irrelevant because it's snow, 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 right. snow, snow, snow. And it's like, at this point, the only snow I want to see is the one outside my window. Right. Like, I just... Yeah. At least least they're releasing a snow set in the winter this time. Instead of in the summer. Yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. Uh, In fact, actually, one of the the ones that we're also going to talk about is a snow creature. Uh, And that's... uh, That was the one I I was also, like, people were also kind of freaking out about as far as legacy was concerned. And I had we had I had to talk down a few people like wait just you know calm down for a second and look at the card right. again <laughs> and realize that this is just absolutely not playable uh, and uh, it was a uh, Jorn God of Winter uh, it's uh, a legendary snow god snow god he's a three three for two and a green whenever he attacks untap each snow permanent you control uh, and that's his front half the back half is Cauldring the Rhyme Staff. Uh, for one blue-black legendary snow artifact, you can tap it. You can play target snow permanent card from your graveyard this turn. If you do, it enters the battlefield tapped. Uh, not, neither half of this is playable in like Legacy. That, that's like, so slow for Legacy. Oh, yeah. like The thing is, like the, the, the litmus test of a creature having to attack to get an effect is Dreadhorde Arcanist. Right. Like, and that card generates... Like actual value, and, and wait a minute, you're they're wanting to have this three three, in legacy, attack. That's legendary, right? It, yeah. First of all, mind it's, you, legendary. It, it's yes. legendary has a creature type that doesn't mesh with any other decks. Well, it's not just that; it's legendary. And, well, yeah, that's the biggest downside of this card in any other form, any format that includes the card Caracas. Oh, oh, yes. There, there's that. I was also thinking of uh, lightning bolt. Like, don't get well, me that's wrong. That's fair. It's three three. Yeah. Right. Like lightning bolts plays way more. Right, lightning bolts play more often in modern than legacy, but still does show up in legacy because, you know, white cards suck um, outside of swords of plowshares. So, you know, yeah, this uh, this is a cool EDH card. That's that's what I see. It's a cool it's a cool bug general. Yeah, yeah, and of course, of course, also the back half is also kind of awkward. Uh, a lot of the best permanents mm-hmm. in the snow deck are not snow cards like quite literally the only real snow cards in snow in in legacy that deal with snow are 
Snow Snow Basics. <laughs> right. Uh, your Arkham's Astrolabe, uh, and Ice Fang Coatl, Ugh. and Dead of Winter. And Dead of Winter isn't even a snow sorcery. It's just it bases everything off of snow. Yeah. But, but, so untapping all your permanents are, is really not doing you any good. The back half, you're going to what? Put an Ice Fang Coatl back into play in a format that has Swords of Plowshares. Right. That where they may just plow it, which... You know, if your opponent's plowing your, you know, quaddle, then maybe you're in a fine place. But the best cards in that deck are obviously going to be cards like Uro and Oko. Like, those are the two best cards in the deck. Yeah. So, or in the case of the um, Snow Day versions that we're seeing now are, they have, you know, Dreadhor Arcanist and uh, Hull Breacher plus Days Undoing. So, you know, that's a thing that also occurs you know, in those decks too. So those are also just really good cards. So it's like, you know, putting this in there into a deck like that just doesn't do anything. Uh, so that was one I saw uh, that a couple of people were like, I think this is really, really busted. And I was just like, no, uh, no, no busted. not at all. Where? Yeah, not like, at all. Maybe it's the fact they're seeing that uh, un- untapping snow permanence or whatever. It's like, yeah, but, but no, like I- yeah. I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm like, once you, once you like, look at it and you're like, oh yeah. yeah. And you're kind of like really like critically eye it. You're like, okay, fine. Yeah, I guess this is, uh, this is not a good card. Like yeah. as much as I would want this, uh, as my salt general for EDH, like if I wanted to, I want both sides of the card too much. Like they're, the both sides are competing against each other for, for wine to see play. So, you know, again, just like what we talked about with the previous card, it's like they did too much on here and they put so much on here they made the card worse. Right. So. Now I will say I will say that again, uh all of the showcase Jesus. arts for these are just ridiculous. Oh my well, even the one we just talked about, like the, yeah, the showcase right. art for that was like yeah. getting like some ride of the Valkyries type yeah. feel with that. And then That's this card cool. here with uh uh the God of Winter, like yeah. Oh, it's so awesome. Yeah, they they did do a good job with that. Uh, we had well another card another card on the list to talk about. Oh, we we got quite is, a few. We got quite a few. Uh, Starnheim Unleashed yes. is a card that looked very interesting. Uh, For, Fortell is such an interesting mechanic that uh, I yeah. Uh, so it's uh two white white. Uh, you create a white four four white angel warrior creature token with flying vigilance. So you create a Sarah angel. Uh, but if you were if you foretold it. Uh, you create X of those tokens instead because the foretell is XX white. Uh, so you can pay two and exile the cards from your hand face down. You cast it on later turn for its foretell cost. It is a sorcery, uh, but obviously there are ways around that in certain formats like uh, modern. You could play this with uh, Teferi Time Raveler yes. uh, or whatnot and be able to, And it's basically just another Entreat the Angels. Oh, I'm so happy. Uh, essentially. But it, XX White for, yeah, it's this is a pretty good card. I mean, this is Entreat the Angels where you don't have to worry about setting up your li- the, the top part, card of your library to cast Entreat the Angels. Bingo. And that, I think that's what that's makes it. it, yeah. This is Entreat the Angels where you can say, I want to cast my Entreat the Angels at a later turn. I'm going to pay two on a turn to put it off into the Exile Zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that I can, on a later turn, when I'm ready to turn the corner, cast and treat the angels. Exactly. That, that's <laughs> yeah. exactly it. Like the the thing with miracles, as much as I loved playing the deck and 
damn, I miss it. Can, can we just get top, back, and band counterbalance? I'm cool with that, right? <laughs> um, but the, the thing that always messed me up is that sometimes I'm going to dig for a terminus, and I hit and entreat the angels, and I'm like, okay, and just cast it anyway. And oftentimes it pretty much had the same effect because, right. you know, uh, four fours uh, can do quite a bit of blocking uh, right. in regards to that. But, you know, having being able to foretell this, like you just said, let it sit exiled, and then you cast your Supreme Verdicts. All right, cool. The board's been wiped. I've countered their next spell. It's now time to close this game. Bam, you hit this on their end step when you have your Teperi out. Mm-mm. Right. Chef's kiss. Like, right, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about the card. Uh, Ascendant Spirit was also on our list. Uh, this card's going to be really absurd in formats that like that are named standard i'm sure it's probably going to be good in uh historic too yeah uh, it, it might be okay well uh, i don't know pioneer's dead but yeah um yeah but uh this this it's it's a snow creature uh it's a blue for a one one but it this is basically so what i what i when i saw this i was like oh cool it's a blue figure of destiny like yeah that's, that was my immediate thought was like oh this is a figure of destiny so you can pay two blue and it becomes a spirit warrior with base power and toughness two three uh you can pay th- uh, or sorry you play two snow sorry any any two snow and it becomes spirit warrior mm-hmm. three snow and if it's a, if it's a warrior so you can only activate the second ability if the first ability has been activated Mm-hmm. Uh, you put a flying counter on it, and it becomes a spirit warrior angel with base power toughness four four. Right. Uh, and then you can pay four snow, and if it's an angel, so a, this one you can only activate if you've activated the second ability. So it's literally just figure of destiny. Uh, but if it's an angel, you can put two plus one plus one counters on it, and it gains whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Uh, the nice thing about this last ability is you can just com- continually reactivate this ability. Yeah, because you're you're, you're, you're putting counters on it. Yeah. yeah, once you're at this point, uh, well, it's not just that. You're so you pay for snow, you put this ability on it. The next turn, you pay for snow, and you and you activate this ability again. It gets two more plus one plus one counters and, and the, the another instance twice. of of yep. <laughs> so that first, the very first time you activate this, it's a, it's a six six that draws a card, a six six flyer that draws card draws a card when you deal combat damage to a player. That's that's pretty good on rate by itself. The second time you activate this, it's an 8-8 that draws two cards. Oh, they're the probably just time. dead at that point. Right. The third time you activate this, it's a 10-10 that draws three cards. Right. And I'm just like, oh, okay. This yeah. this literally will snowball. Yes. It, it's probably a pretty good card. I, yeah. I have to, yeah. I I have to admit, it's probably pretty interesting. Uh, one of the other ones we had on the list here that I was seeing is uh, Narfi Betrayer King. Yeah, that's uh, cool. Yeah, the uh, cards pun neat. intended. Cards neat. Again, this was another one that I saw that people were like, "Is this playable?" At blah 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 blah. Oh no! Uh, and on. I was just like, "No, I don't think so." Like, uh, it's a uh, three blue and a black legendary snow creatures zombie wizard. Uh, it's a four three. Uh, other snow and zombie creatures you control get plus one plus one. You can pay three snow and return him to from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. This card is uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. It's, un- and... it's, it's an uncommon legendary creature Ooh. that, that literally says build around me. That's, that's the first thing, right? Yes. Um, the fact that 
even if you're just like I, I can't even think of a scenario where this would be in like maybe some weird self mill type of strategy. Oh, I mean, I mean, have snow, it, this is but, this is just a limited bomb. Well, yeah, but I mean, say I they mean, go to uh, target this guy with some single target graveyard removal. You can pay your three snow and like nope. Come right back yeah, on right. the battlefield. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And then, but then also it's just like, oh, I can just block like things that you have. Yeah, you know, and then put them back into play tapped. Yeah, and like literally, it's a four three that just never goes away practically in in limited. Yeah, unless it, your opponent has a removal spell yeah. that exiles, which there is a common black exile creature spell. Uh, there is. Does so, it cost like five or something to four, do? I think four. Four. Okay. So. Oh yeah, it's the Vraska's contempt without the yeah, two life. Yeah. Okay. So you can probably use this against this guy. You know, it's probably usable against this creature. You know, to be able to deal with it in limited if you have to. Right. Uh, because otherwise, yeah. I mean, if you don't have removal for this thing, it's just gonna stay either stick around and be and buff all its other stuff, or it's going to block everything. And take it one for the team, you know, every turn, and be able to just keep coming back. That's what, what yeah. I do like about it, like when I first looked at this, I was getting some uh, Scarab God vibes. Yeah, because uh, the Scarab God takes creatures from any graveyard and makes them into zombies, which then this guy pumps. So like, there's that, and tradi- well, not traditionally, but like with what Wizards has done since what Innistrad, maybe they've tried to make the the zombie tribe. Uh, blue black so this is cool and with uh strixhaven and and the dungeons and dragons set coming up you know maybe we're going to see some zombies that wind up in these colors and we might have a zombie deck right uh, at some point so right. well, i mean we are getting innistrad yep. so and, you know and innistrad zombies are typically in blue black as well yep so, so maybe yeah. we'll have something there but that, yeah. it, it's neat I don't really see this going anywhere beyond limited standard commander, but yeah, you know. Oh yeah, this is a great commander card because you can play another zombie legendary and yeah. probably play this in the ninety nine. Yeah, this is probably in the ninety nine. Like, sure, you you don't generally speaking want your commander into the graveyard, but right. I mean, if you are playing this as your general, you know, you get around the commander tax by paying yeah. three snow. So. There you go. You could probably play like Grim Grin. Yeah. Yeah. And Sap. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. You could wait. Oh, because Grim Grin, you have to sac. You could sacrifice a creature. Yeah, you can sacrifice another creature and untap Grim Grin and put a counter on it. Put oh a yeah. yeah. On it. So you could sacrifice this. Pay the pay the three snow. Put it back into play and sacrifice it again. Pretty That's, nuts. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of absurd. Yeah, yep. okay. Grim, Grim Grim Corpse Born from yep. uh, original Innistrad. Yep. So, cool cool card. Uh, again, I, I actually really liked, I was reading the Planeswalker's Guide to Kaldheim, uh, and they mentioned Narfi uh, explicitly when they were talking about the realm that Narfi is from, uh, which is where all the Draugr are from. And it talking about how Narfi was literally responsible for that realm falling into disarray by uh, selling selling his the souls of his uh, you know subjects into servitude or whatnot into undead servitude or whatnot. So that's why he is the betrayer king. 
because he literally betrayed his entire his entire set of subjects and, and led his realm into ruin. See, that, so. that's cool. I like it when Wizards plays around with design space, like what they're doing here, yeah, and still is able to tie it back to the story in a nice little neat, just kind of like package there. It's like it, it seems like, like a, they did a lot for uh, this set in that yeah. way. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, I don't even think we're going to talk about the sagas. Uh, there's so like, many. There, there's so there's so many, and they're they're common, or I'm sorry, they're uncommon. They're rare. Um, yeah, they're in all sorts of different colors. Um, yeah, you mentioned Fortel, and we talked about the um, uh, Strom. Was that Stromheim Unleashed or whatever? Stromheim Unleashed. Yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that there's uh, a saga that is pushing the Fortel mechanic by essentially giving you two free mana to Fortel a card on its second chapter. Right. So yeah, like the, the, this stuff's just it's crazy. Right. It's crazy. A um, lot, lot of tapping out for stuff, so you're not going to have a lot of time to react or counter, which... Um, uh, but... So I didn't get a chance to look at the... I didn't get actually a chance to actually look at this other card that you had on the list here, but uh, that Immersturm Predator... Yeah, it just actually uh, leaked today, or yeah. leaked, uh, was previously... Spoiled. Today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so it's just a... Yeah, uh, em- just em- a vampire. Yeah, Immersturm Predator... Uh, two black red creature vampire dragon. Let's stop right there for a minute. The last time they did anything with vampire and dragon on the card, it, it cost like six or seven mana. Like vampiric I'm going to go look it up, right? Vampiric dragon. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, vampiric dragon. Um, yeah. so I'm like uh, a uh, four convert mana cost vampire dragon. Immediately, I'm like Edgar Markov, Kalia, right. like uh, finding homes for this thing. So, of course, it has flying because it's a dragon. It's a 3-3, though. However, whenever uh, this card becomes tapped, exile up to one target card from a graveyard and put a plus one, plus one counter on this. So, keep in mind that Kalia puts the card into play and it's already attacking. So, it won't get this when it becomes tapped because it's already tapped yes. and attacking when it comes yeah. in. So, it won't yeah. get that. But... In Edgar Markov, there's so many pump and anthem effects that this thing ain't going to be a 3-3 when you go to declare it as an attacker. Right. Plus, in red, having... Granted, black is also known for targeting something in a graveyard and exiling it. But to have that effect also in red, to at least some degree, that's the other thing that kind of caught my eye. Um, Oh, you can sacrifice another creature you control and give this indestructible... Until end of turn and tap it. So, okay, maybe they go to block with something that has death touch. Cool, you sacrifice a token. This is already tapped, so you don't have to worry about tapping it when you do that effect. So, yeah, this... And it's only a rare. Yeah. It's only a rare. I'm like, I expect this to be mythic with all that word salad on it. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah, th- this is... I, this might be seen in standard in some type of deck that wants to try and keep the... Uh, sacrifice aristocrats theme going, but I, I'm getting this for EDH. Right. So, um, uh, there was one other card before you talk about spell lands because I know there's a bunch of those. Oh yeah, there's, uh, there's a ton. Yeah, of them. there's a bunch of these like slow oh, like spell spell like lands. Are, are you gonna summon Aaron again? Why? I saw the card I listed on the show notes. Oh yeah, I do want to talk about that one, but there was actually <laughs> one that popped up. Uh, oh, okay. That uh, that was one of Morrow's 
uh, spoiler teaser cards that he oh. had teased in his like you know initial teaser thing. Okay. And it's the card that lets us kill people with poison. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that card. And it's uh, Finn, Finn the Fangbearer for <sighs> one and a green legendary human warrior. It is a one three. It has death touch. And whenever a creature you control with Death Touch deals combat damage to a player, that player gets two poison counters. That card's interesting. It it, it is like, um, Death Touch what, Tribal could be a thing. There, there's that because there are cards that do have Death Touch, uh, both in standard and recently in modern. Right. Um, but like when we talked about uh, Vorinclix returning, uh, there was some question about whether poison will happen or whatever and we're like nah that'd be too much right right well um, we do we did know that there was a from Mara's thing even when we found out knew about vorclex that uh there was a thing on his teaser list that said there is a card that will let you kill your opponent with poison and so we, we kind of knew that there was going to be one card that would have the word poison on it but we knew but there was the speculation of whether or not the card would have infect, you know, in some, you know, fashion. But it just happens to be just a guy who gives poison counters. So, and he himself gives poison counters because he has death touch. Correct. And uh, there are ways to make him unblockable. Right. Uh, or or uh, whatever they want to do, right? Give him right. some form of evasion or uh, have him fight something because uh, he has death touch. Yeah. So he only needs to do just one point to your giant creature. Right. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I get it. I just, I, I have a feeling they're trying to find a way to put poison in Pioneer slash Historic. Because they're, they're, they're trying to make that more of a curated modern as far as design and power level. And finding a way to do this that way. It's like, oh, I'm going to dump all these pump spells and have this Voltron type creature and, and kill you. Uh, but it's not going to work. Well, but see the heart, the hard does. thing about that is, yeah, is it has to deal multiple steps of combat. You know, there has right. to be multiple combat damage happening. So Correct. you can't really Voltron this. This mm -hmm. is very much a build around like, again, this is a death touch tribal type, yeah. you know, and there are some cards from Ikoria that uh, a couple that would give like death touch counters. Like, so that's also something you can do. So, yeah, I, I think it's neat. Oh, yeah, uh, I can see some cards, cards uncommon, and that's kind of funny. Yeah, I can see someone so. mutating this to give it, like, flying or something. Oh, God. Yeah. Somebody putting, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, one of, yeah, um, I ain't going to summon Aaron with this, but I did want to talk about this card because I think this card is actually interesting. You're going to summon uh, Aaron. It's just going to Probably, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Withered Runestone. Yeah, why? Uh, <laughs> it's uh, two generic uh, non-land permanent cards. Yeah. It's an artifact. Non-land permanent cards and graveyards and libraries can't enter the battlefield. Uh, and players can't cast spells from graveyards or libraries. And, and that uncommon, too, which is weird for drafting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's probably to... I mean, it's not to deal with Fortell, because Fortell's from Exile. Right. Um, but there are a lot of these cards that come from the graveyard and all that stuff, so maybe it's that's what it is. I actually think that this could end up seeing some play in, like, Legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, simply because it costs... Even though... So, like, Graft Digger's Cage exists. Yes, we know. Right. Like, it's a card that exists. Uh, Graft Digger's Cage costs one. This costs two. Uh, but the biggest thing is that 
uh, Chalice of the Void decks don't often run one CMC artifacts. Uh, Correct. Simply because they run Chalice of the Void, and most of the time you're setting Chalice of the Void on one. So having a Grafdigger's Cage that you can cast off of an Ancient Tomb uh, and still be able to Chalice uh, seems pretty good, actually. Yeah, there, uh, there is that, that. Yeah, not only that, it's it also hits uh, non-land permanent cards, uh, which sounds weird at first. Like, okay, it's not just creatures that this hits. Yeah, because Gra- Grafdigger's Cage only hits creatures. Right. But the biggest thing that this thing has going for it is uh, in Legacy, there are occasionally control decks that run cards like uh, Savine's Reclamation. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Savine's Reclamation is almost always never targeting a creature. Oh, no. Uh, it's, it's usually always like targeting a, one of your a Planeswalker. A, yeah, it's like uh, either a Planeswalker or a Mox Diamond, Sylvan Library, stuff like that. Yeah. It's usually a Planeswalker. Like, yeah. usually you're getting back, like, a Teferi... Or a, um, you know, like an Teferi, Oko, Oko like Kaya. Yeah. Yeah. You're one of those cards. You're getting back one of those cards from your graveyard. Liliana. And it's like, oh, this stops that. Uh, the other thing that this stops. Red and six. Is oh, wait a minute. Bo- no. The other thing that stops <laughs> is both uh, Academy Rector and uh, Ar- Arena Rector. Yeah. Uh, that, so, and that sounds weird to say that, but those cards are reasonably played in legacy uh there's also that black uh curse stompy deck that uses curse uh curse of misfortunes oh the yeah. stops curse of misfortunes as well because it you they can't put in to play a a curse mm-hmm. yeah, it. it's coming from the library so yeah. right right so so yeah there's some things that this shuts off this could also end up seeing play in vintage uh simply because it not only shuts off uh, bigger th- biggest thing it shuts off is Tinker. Oh uh, yeah, which sounds strange oh, yeah. because because Grafdigger's Cage already sort of shuts off Tinker in a sense because you can Tinker for Blightsteel or, or for not Blightsteel but uh, for Bolas Citadel, but then you can't cast anything off Bolas Citadel with Grafdigger's Cage in play because it's casting from the library. True. However, I, I have known people to just tinker up a, a Bawasa Citadel and then sit on a removal spell for a key po- key opportunity and then just blow the removal spell and then and then start casting spells. Mm-hmm. So this just prevents them from getting the Bawasa Citadel in the first place, uh, which is not bad. Uh, so I could see this seeing some play in older formats like, yeah I, and, it, I, and again it sounds strange because you're like oh you know one versus two that sounds like such a big deal but a lot of these decks play fast mana and they play soul lands mm-hmm. and stuff like that and the decks that it works for uh you know you're not going to cast this in like a delver deck oh like, yeah <laughs> no. yeah you're not no. you're gonna ca- if you're going to cast a, a graveyard hate spell of this caliber you know you're going to cast grafter's cage like that's you're gonna pay you're gonna your stuff's gonna be efficient and lean, but in the stompy decks that play Chalice, these are these are the best things. There's a reason why those decks don't play Pithing Needle. There's a reason why those decks play Sorceress Spyglass over Pithing Needle, and it's because it costs two. So I I have a feeling that we'll see this this card at least see some play at least. At the very um, least, I see this as a Karn target. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like in Legacy. Yeah, you could see play as as a as a Karn card for Legacy cuz 
Karn, you know, is pretty good in Legacy. <laughs> yeah. So Karn's bonkers. Uh, it's not nearly as bonkers as Hullbreacher is, but, you know. Well, uh, yeah, thanks, Gavin. Yeah, that, that card's pretty good, I hear. So uh, I have cast one. or I have gotten to wheel with a, a Hullbreacher in play, and that's, it feels dirty. Trust me. Uh, so, I, I believe it. Yeah. Like, I've gotten to wheel into a removal spell to get rid of a a spyglass. I think it was a spyglass or a pithing needle. It was like one of the two, naming Karn. Uh, be able to wheel into an echoing truth to get back, to get rid of their, their pithing needle, slam Karn, and then just win the game with Karn because there's so many, so much mana in play. That you can almost pretty much immediately use Karn, go fetch uh, Lattice, and then just win the game. Uh, why are you <laughs> like this? No, I'm kidding. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then, yeah, uh, we had spell lands. There's a bunch Dude. of these. Like, tons of them. Uh, there's too many to count, honestly. There is, but, I yeah. mean, you know, we were kind of taken aback uh, when Snow was revealed, because we didn't think Snow was going to be in the set. Uh, you know, and while we're all looking at the snow cards, suddenly there's these lands that, sure, they're uncommon. They come into the battlefield tap. You can't fetch for them uh, through, through, like, a fetch land type of effect. You could get them through Expedition Map or right. whatever you want to do with they're that. All, they're all two-color activation cards, too, so they're the, right. the guild color activations. Yeah, so. yeah. So, yeah, like, for instance, one of the ones that uh, I saw was... was uh, previewed by uh, Pleasant Kenobi, uh, is Axe Guard Armory. So these are all places, too, so yeah. keep that in mind. You can tap it for white, or uh, you can pay one, two red, a white, tap, and sacrifice it. That part's kind of weird that, that you have to tap it and sacrifice it, but whatever. Um, I guess it's just to make sure that you're not activating it twice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get whatever. Anyway, so you search your library for an aura card and or an equipment card, Reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. Now, one of the big decks right now, especially in Modern, uh, and I don't know if this will uh, see play in Modern, but it's just, you know, this is a neat design, something that we should look at to see if it possibly could be played in, in Modern or might be played in, like, Historic or Pioneer or whatever. But one of the uh, big decks right now in Modern is literally called Hammer Time. Yeah. And this started out just like Hollowed One did. Started out as a meme deck that uh, our boy Saffron Olive played uh, to get people and, and kill them with, um, oh God, what was that card? Uh, Colossus uh, Hammer, which was a card from Corset 2020 that gave equipped creature plus 10, plus 10, and loses flying because the hammer is just ginormous and has an equip cost of 8, but a cast cost of 1. But there's so many cards that, like Sigarda's Aid and other cards that allow you to just automatically equip it, that you just play it on the battlefield, your creature's ready to attack, you cast a spell or something to equip it for free, and Bob's your uncle or whatever. Right. So this card could help some of the non-modern, uh, non-modern formats uh, find that equipment or aura card. Or there may be something tricky with like the cartouches. Right. Uh, or something like that. Uh, obviously, this will be like an EDH card for some folks. But right. it's a neat design. However, the one that, of course, caught my eye being the dirty control player I am 
is the Gates of Istvel, which is also a land. It taps for white. Now, yes, there are others that tap for green and red and black and, you know, all the other colors. Yeah. But this one, two white, two blue, tap, sacrifice, Gates of Istvel, you gain two life and draw two cards. So there are often times where the turn is being passed back to me and I'm sitting there with this land, say a land like this and five other land, I could easily sacrifice this, gain two life, draw two cards, go back up to six mana and play something like a board wipe and have counterspell back up or play or a fairy and then uh, draw a card and untap some lands, have a counterspell back up. You know, tons that, that can be done with a card like this. I don't think it'll see modern play, but it could definitely help uh, pioneer control decks, historic control decks, things like that. Uh, my thing is, looking at this, it wasn't that long ago that we had uh, Crucible Worlds uh, legal and standard. Uh, so it, it's, of course, legal on Arena. So I could see Crucible World Effects uh, go well with these type of lands. Uh, Remanep Excavator uh, is also available on Arena. So you could have these lands in your deck, use their effect, get the land back uh, through those type of effects, and be able to reuse them again and again and again. Like, any time that you gain two life and draw two cards, if you do that more than once in a game, you know, you're up four cards, four life, and that's a lot for an opponent sometimes to, to get back from, depending on how late in the game it is and how dire the circumstances are. Right. So, yeah, th- th- this will be neat. I, I, I like the design. Like, I talked earlier, like, I'm just, I'm wanting to feel the excitement of new cards and things like that, and these are kind of pushing me in that direction. So, kudos to Wizards. Yeah. Uh, so, there's so much other stuff to talk about. I put the link in the show notes for the uh, Scryfall spoiler. Uh, there's all sorts of interesting cards. There's some definitely some readers in this set that you kind of have to kind of look at. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt to, like, parse Tybalt's Trickery uh, because that card is wild. Uh uh, of, like, of all the of all the cards, once this set is released and ready to go, of all the cards that will see a a, a metric ton of play from the first minute, it's going to be that. Pure yeah, we yeah. They're like, oh, you're casting the spell. It don't even matter what spell, right? Like they're they're going to misjudge whatever they're supposed to cast this on. Like, haha, gotcha. And that first time that the opponent flips open flips over something better than what is being countered, that's when people are going to run run home with their tails between their legs. Like, oh, I spent my wild cards on this. Burr. Yeah, the card, I think the card is actually really good. It's interesting. I, I, I think I, there's I some things to do with that card that you can do, uh, for sure. Yeah, um, now, let, let, let me actually look at it here. Cause this is one of the first cards. Well, not first cards, but this card was uh, was previewed early on. And uh, there it is. So does it say cast? Oh sh. Yeah. Really? You, you cast. Yeah. All right. So remember how I was excited about thirty minutes ago or so, probably <laughs> less than that, for uh, uh, Starnheim Unleashed. Yeah. And the reason why I was excited for that card. Just read Tabalt's Trickery again and think about the card 
that 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 would really cause a problem here. Uh, I don't know. I'm blanking. Teferi's time, Teferi time Raveler. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, so yeah. You, ha- you have that in play. Tobalt's Trickery becomes counter your spell. Uh, mill one, two, or three. Mill, mill one, two, or three. Yeah. Yep, and then they, they can't do anything else. Yeah. So that's only a problem in where? Where is Teferi playable still? In, in um, Modern. Modern, okay. Yeah. I don't think that's, I don't think that's good enough, though. Yeah, I, well, I mean, because you can't you can't crack back with with the counter spell of your own because they'll have their Teferi out. Yeah, I don't know. I'm so, not sure. yeah, I mean, I I could see some some Jeskai decks Just running this. Ma- yeah. Maybe they'll come off their um, well, their cleansing wildfire uh, meme shenanigans that they're trying to do with Jeskai right. and just go back to an actual Jeskai control counter burn type strat. Uh, and and having their Teferi and set uh, look at me I have a mountain and a plane open I can't counter your spell and like try and be like edge lordy like that or whatever so I, I don't know like um that this card is already uh, or it's normal version it's already pre-selling for like six bucks so all right I, I don't know we'll we'll see we'll see anyway but yeah. Call time. Yeah, yep, that's call time. Uh, let's uh, switch gears and let's talk about uh, non-magic stuff because we have one non-magic thing on the list to talk about, and that's WandaVision. Yeah. So, so yeah. You seem more hype about this than I am. I am really actually super excited. I watched the first. We watched the first two episodes today, and uh, I, I got done, and I'm just like, that was really, really, really unique. Uh, yes, and I think that's Uh-oh. what I I really like about it. Like, it just it's super unique. Uh, all the little, the little things that they threw in there. Yeah, kind of like we're going to kind of spoil this, so uh, we should have probably threw that up first. Um, so if you want to skip ahead, go for it. Um, but yeah, we're we're going to be talking about it and may spoil some things of the show. Yeah. So, uh, kind of like each episode so far has kind of played off like we're watching a television show starring Wanda and Vision. Yeah, like obviously. an old sitcom that you would like, see on yeah. Nick at Night. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Nick at Night, like, the, the, the whole, like, TV trope kind of thing of, you know, being kind of like I Love Lucy or uh, Bewitched. There's a huge yeah. Bewitched, a huge Bewitched, you know, style of opening to both episodes you know where you know wanda's using her powers to do certain things and you know that sort of thing and uh you know so that that part's interesting uh there's all you know these little like tv trope you know throw-ins and whatnot and uh so that's interesting but obviously like time as, as things go on you know things kind of just aren't what they seem you know, and what's going on. And of course, you know, we can obviously tell that, you know, somebody's watching them. Uh, there, there was, the thing was interesting about this is like, there is a real hard understanding of like what's going on. Like so far, like, yeah, this was, they, they're just kind of setting things up, but man, like they kind of dumped a lot of like small stuff into this, the first two episodes that kind of make, make you go, huh? Yeah. Kind of make you think. More so in episode two than episode one. Like, yeah, you, you get the um, you get the premise that uh, they are being watched. Like, this whole uh, TV show thing 
is being watched on a monitor inside a shield office. Right. Rumor has it that uh, Darcy uh, that that's watching him because she's supposed to be part of right uh, the show and she's taking notes or whatever. Well, um, and here here's the other thing: it's likely it's not Shield. Yeah, it's not, it's not shield. shield. It's Sword. Sword. Yes. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's it's definitely sword. Yes, yeah, because you can see their like little like sword logo. Yeah, or yeah, we we it, saw it on the first episode and the second episode. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's on the the helicopter. Yeah, like the second yeah. episode starts out with like a Dick Van Dyke type of of shtick, where like there's some noise outside, and uh, Vision goes to look, and it winds up being the wind is blowing the tree uh, against the window. So, haha, funny moment, whatever. Right. Right. Uh, but then he leaves later on, Wanda's home by herself, and uh, she hears a noise, goes outside and finds a helicopter, like a little toy helicopter, uh, in the bushes. But again, this is black and white, except the helicopter is in full color, and it's decked out Iron Man style. So right. we're thinking that's like some type of drone, right. and whatever it looked like before it entered where Wanda is, uh, probably looked completely different, because... Again, they have to stay in theme with the time. So in the 60s, a little drone would look like a toy helicopter. Right. Like a, like a rescue chopper used in World War II or something. Right. So the biggest the biggest thing I think I have to mention with this is, um, you you ever read through any of the, the stuff in the books uh, that related to the House of M? I, I sadly did not. I was okay. not reading comics at that point. Okay. But I, I've heard lots about it and yeah, watched videos. And, so uh, so yeah. for those for those people who are unaware, um, House of M is a series of the the comic run uh, that has to deal primarily with with Wanda. Uh, yeah, another and, Avengers versus X Men type of crossover. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, uh, and in it, um, basically, uh, Wanda's children. Uh, with Vision are, uh, you know, just, are killed, and her mind cracks. And this is a character who has the powers to com- basically completely rewrite reality if should she choose to do so. Uh, so this, the death of her children just breaks her in so much that she creates a reality where it didn't happen. And and in doing so, she create she rewrites all of reality, and of course, the you know the the part about that that is kind of interesting that makes sense is that the only character that actually remembers anything from the previous reality is Wolverine, because he had no memory in the base reality, so because of the way his mind worked in the base reality, he he can retains all that information that he knows that something's not right. Like this is not the world. This is not our world that we're supposed to be living in. Uh, and so of course, you know, he ends up going on the, the, you know, task of trying to convince, you know, find Wanda to convince Wanda to, you know, change things back. Mm-hmm. But so there's a lot of allusions to that in this show so far. Uh, there's a, a bottle of wine that has kind of like a, uh, a, a French, uh, uh, French House of Wine, and it's like the House of Mesprey or something uh, like that. Yeah, House of Dupree, I think it is. Yeah, so um, House of Contempt, I think it, it translates yeah, to. It's, it's the House of Misery. That's it. That's yeah, it. the House of Misery. So, like, you kind of like, hmm. So, there's a lot of speculation so far from what I've read, whether or not 
uh, despite the fact that they're being watched by sword. Let's just say this. Despite the fact that this entire construct of whatever Wanda's doing here is Wanda. It's all her. Yeah, you get that at the end of the second episode where uh, they hear they're outside uh, her and Vision. And you know who that is, right? What, the the guy coming out of the sewer? Yes. Oh, no, not the guy coming out of the sewer. Sorry, the the guy on the radio and the guy at the end. The guy on the radio, uh, he was in uh, Ant Man. Yeah, it's Jimmy Woo. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, um, yeah, they they're uh, inside, uh, having their moment before they close. Uh, then they hear a noise, so they go outside, and there's a guy coming out of the sewer. Now, again, keep in mind this is like '50s, '60s Cold War era, and I didn't know this, in, or maybe I'd forgotten it, being as old as I am. But when people uh, when when government uh, law enforcement went to investigate possible communist outings or whatever, uh, if they were going through like a sewer tunnel or whatever to make sure that they didn't trip anything or catch any bombs or whatever, they would use bees. Right. Uh, like that, that's kind of the gist I got quickly reading up and hearing about it. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. So this guy comes out of the sewer in a beekeeper outfit, and there's all these bees around him, and he's got the sword logo on his back. And he turns and looks, and Wanda catches his eye, and she says, no. And then suddenly everything rewinds to back when her and Vision were in the house. So Wanda is like a uh, protagonist and antagonist all at the same time during the show. So I I think episode three, we're going to get a bit more as we get into the age of color. Right. And and we'll hopefully see some more sword stuff. Because, yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s gone. There's no more S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. People keep mentioning, oh, this person works with S.H.I.E.L.D. No, S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist. Cap took care of that. This is all S.W.O.R.D., which stands for something that deals with... Uh, so so uh, in, in the comic books, it was a, out, it was a, f- a facing outward into space, uh, you know, functionary of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Like, that was what they were doing. But in the MCU, they are the sentient weapon observation, observation and response, response division. division. That's it. So... Yeah. Uh, and so, obviously, we're also going to see at some point uh, Maria Ram- or uh, Monica Rambeau. Yeah, well, uh, who we we've already seen, but she wasn't Monica. She was right. like, Geraldine. Yeah, yeah. She um, was the, uh, the the token black lady in town. Right. I, I hate I hate saying that, but I mean it's just yeah. That those were the shows back then. You had the black person or couple. Yeah. To uh, to to help integrate the show or whatever. There's also some heavy speculation that the character of Agnes uh, is really uh, Agatha Harkness. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing, too. Yeah, yeah, that she's involved because uh, Agatha Harkness was also a character that was involved with Wanda. Yeah, Wanda's uh, mentor when Wanda was studying uh, uh, sorcery. Right. So that's also kind of interesting. Also, we have Mm -hmm. to kind of keep in mind, too, that technically... If you want to be real technical at this point, Vision mm-hmm. doesn't. Vision isn't technically alive. If you right. want to be real technical, because this is supposed to take place after Endgame, right? Like I think there's and, and Vision never came back, right? Like well, on the calendar on the first episode, it showed I think it was April twenty third or August twenty third, twenty three, twenty twenty three, yeah, twenty three eight, yeah. And that actually has significance to a episode a issue of the comic books. Yeah, yeah, there, there are a lot of uh, 
uh, comic book issue numbers. Yeah, issue uh, two thirty eight. Yep. Um, um, there's all these also all these like little like things like these fake commercials oh, going dude, on. Those were so cool. Yeah, one of them is for a, a Stark Industries Toastmate two thousand toaster oven. The other yeah. one is more interesting because it's for a Strucker watch, and you can very clearly see the Hydra logo on the watch. Uh, the beekeeper thing I wanted to mention because there is uh, some spe- uh, some speculation that the beekeeper thing has to do with uh, AIM, uh, which is uh, Advanced Idea Mechanics. Right, cause uh, they, because their costumes kind of look beekeeper-ish. They, they do, and didn't they get absorbed by shield slash sword? Well, uh, it's, also, it's also potentially possible that uh, they are kind of like how hydra was inside shield in the mcu that they are that they are inside sword or posing as sword to to kind of you know yeah i don't know it's interesting yeah i'm real that's why i'm like i'm like really excited for like more like oh oh yeah And, and like here here's my thing though like all this is cool but there are those out there who only know these characters through the movies. And they're not going to pick up on all the stuff we just talked about for the last five, ten minutes or so. And what's happening here, and, and I saw this with my wife, is that you don't really kind of catch kind of a, an idea of what's going on until the end of episode two, where you actually see Wanda rewind everything and then start start over in a spot and, and go to a different direction. Right. Uh, where there's the reveal that she's pregnant and, and things change in the color and all that stuff. Right. So watching through the first episode, before we even get to uh, uh, Vision's boss choking. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, which that was kind of a funny scene. Then it started getting dark. It was really weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> before we even get there, she's already checked out. She's like, I have no idea what in the heck is going on. This is boring, dumb. Like she's ready to give up before the the show's even done. Uh, right. Done, and it's part of how Hollywood is presenting these uh, stories of fiction, where they want you to stay on for the ride, even if you have lost interest, because they will eventually tell you why you're here to begin with later. Right. As opposed to how things used to happen, where you get, be it the crawl. Or some type of intro, or whatever. Like we have to keep in mind that these characters, Wanda and Vision, like their stories really weren't fleshed out. Like we go from, because uh, I've been watch rewatching MCU, finished up Fate. Well, need to watch Ant Man to finish up Phase Two, but whatever. Right. Uh, we go from Wanda appearing in uh, Age of Ultron, and Vision appearing at the end of Age of Ultron to the next time we see them is Civil War. And then we see them in Infinity War. So, like, there's no moment where we sit back and it's like we get some backstory on Wanda and Vision. We get a little bit of it in in Civil War and a little bit of it, I think, in uh, Infinity War, maybe, or yeah. in Game 1. Infinity not, War, yeah. Not, a, not enough, not like the other characters, like, Cap or Iron Man or even Falcon to an extent. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know. I. I. I hope this does well. I, I hope that next week's episode, episode three, 
kind of gets in a little bit more and and they they take us out of whatever area this is that Wanda has created so we can kind of see the other side and get oh that's why this is you know we kind of get that moment uh, and then go back in real quick uh, so we can kind of stay hooked because yeah like um, was it Speedy and uh, Vixen doesn't sound right I can't remember the name of her kids. Anyway, her kids are going to grow up real quick. Like, yeah, yeah, I ex- yeah. I expect next week that they will be infants, uh, and then the week after that they'll be toddlers. Uh, like it'll be a couple weeks. They'll they'll be they're teenagers, like young uh, tweens or preteens or whatever. But by the time we get to the ninth episode, they'll be uh, late teenagers, early adults. And ready to join Young Avengers. Like right. that, that's the direction this is going. Now, something else that I think we all need to keep in mind here. Uh, you mentioned House of M. So people are like, oh man, maybe instead of saying no more no more mutants, Wanda will say mutants and mutants will magically appear because multiverse and blah, 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 blah. You know. No. Right. Here's, here's the thing. Like, uh, the Celestials used to... Uh, roamed the universe, well, still do. Uh, they were able to wield the Infinity Stones and the weapons and cause all sorts of things, from creation to destruction, etc., etc., right? Uh, Celestials also created the Eternals and the Deviants. And we'll find out more about this when we get to the Eternals movie, right. hopefully later this year. Now, mutants and the X-Gene is derived from from these creations of Eternals and Deviants. Like the ones that look more monstrous, like your Sabertooth, Toad, uh, things the ones that don't look as human uh, are probably linked genetically back to Deviants. Whereas those like your Cyclops, Jean Grey, Havoc, etc. are probably more linked to uh, the Eternals. So when we come across the cosmic power of the Infinity Stones, like with what Strucker was doing with his experiments, that probably activated her X-Gene and then allowing her to manifest her powers and allowing uh, uh, her brother to be able to run super fast and become right, Quicksilver. Right, right. So there's not gonna there, there's no need for any type of multiverse and like, oh, this magical portal opened and I'm Deadpool and I'm just going to walk over to Earth 2 or whatever. There, we're not going to need anything like that. To be like, fair, Deadpool would do that. Well, just, sure. Just out of sheer principle. No, I understand. But we, we don't need any Flash TV show type of stuff. We can explain it with the things we already have, and it will already make sense because it, it's enough hand-wavy science in comic book fiction to where you don't need to like do some other stupid, like, oh, and on this other Earth that is happening at the exact same moment, da, da 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 No, just have them all here in the same universe continuity and all that stuff. It's it's totally fine. It totally makes sense. Right. Yeah. To me, anyway. I, I'm excited. Uh, I'm I'm excited to continue on. Oh yeah. Uh, I I also just really like Paul Bettany. Like oh, he's yeah. he's just absolutely fantastic. Have you seen him now? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's got like this weird like hipster beard looking thing and glasses and like he looks nothing like 
<laughs> what he does on, uh, on these shows and in the movies. And right. it, it's so great to see someone who will, will do whatever they need to do to portray a role. Right. And then when it's like, oh, well, I'm not working right now, I'm going to just go back and chill and, and just be me. Yeah, and and that's that really kind of humanizes the the fictitious character you're seeing on TV, and kind of gets you to appeal to them and like them more. And yeah. I, I dig that; it's cool. So my 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 first ever uh, I- introduction to Paul Bettany as an actor uh, was actually way way before uh, any of this Marvel stuff or whatnot. Uh, he was in a fairly well known movie in two thousand one. Uh, with uh, the late Heath Ledger, uh, aka A Knight's Tale. Uh, okay. And he never played, saw that one, but okay. You, never, you haven't seen A Knight's Tale? No. Oh, man. You were missing out. Okay. Uh, he played Jeffrey Chaucer uh, and uh, in A Knight's Tale. And uh, yeah, uh, he was uh, he's pretty good in that movie. Uh, very, very, very funny. Yeah. Uh, there's a uh, line in it. Let me see if I can find it here. Oh, man. Movie quotes. IMDb. IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's one where he, he says... It is fast, but I'm trying to find. <laughs> there was a really, really, really good one where when they first meet him in the movie, uh, he is running. Uh, he is walking along. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He so he's walking. He's he, the, he's walking along, and it's Heath Ledger and the the. Oh, also in this movie is Alan Tudyk. So there we go. Already an instantly like fantastic movie because Alan Tudyk's in it. Uh, but so he's walking along and he's naked uh, along the road, and Heath Ledger goes, uh, "What are you doing?" And he's, uh, "You know, trudging. You know, trudging. This to trudge the slow, weary, depressing yet determined walk of a man who has nothing left in life except the impulse to simply soldier on." And uh, Heath Ledger goes, "Were you robbed?" And he goes, "Ah." Interesting question, actually. Yes, and then at the same time, a huge resounding no. It's more of a sort of an involuntary vow of poverty, really. <laughs> but, you know, on the brighter side, trudging does represent pride. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's a pride resolve in the faith in the unhappy. Uh, good Lord Almighty, please Christ rescue me from my current tribulation. Ow. And he's picking out a stone out of his out of his foot. <laughs> Because he's walking along on stones, barren, you know. Right. <laughs> and so it's just, it's Paul Bettany. Dude is just, he is just absolutely really, really, really good at what he does. And so... Well, you, you see that in the first two episodes of WandaVision. Oh, yeah. Where, you know, Vision is this, you know, through the movies anyway, this ultra serious character calculating. Sure, he's warm to Wanda, but, you know, when it's time to get down and do business, you know, he literally acts like a, an AI and, you know, for him to portray the, uh, goofy working husband on a 50s, 60s sitcom, you know, right. 
Right. It, it, it's a change of, of pace for what we're used to seeing as far as from Vision. Like, you can definitely tell that the actor poured a lot uh, of that goofiness into those moments and, and really kind of gave the show the, the weird vibe that, you know, people are like, what in the world is going on? Right. And I, and they actually said uh, that they, they obviously, they spent a lot of time uh, researching and influences by things like Dick Van Dyke uh, and like Hugh Lowry and stuff like that for like his performance of, of being vision in this show. They actually even um, talked to Dick Van Dyke. Uh, they actually brought him in as a consultant uh, nice. to kind of like kind of give that idea of how would a, you know, 50 sitcom, you know, what, how is that can be that can that be presented in a, in a sense to kind of like make sure that we're doing it right, you know, to make, kind of make sure we are, we're hitting the dialogue, you know, correctly and the rhythm of the dialogue with, uh, the, the, the sitcom aspect of it. Right. Uh, but I, I did, I did like that. You mentioned that part about in the first episode where, you know, his boss is choking, uh, and that how it gets all of a sudden just turns like really quickly before going back to normal. And you're just like, that's like your first inkling. That, you know, okay, something's really not right. Yeah, like, it, it went from like... Uh, oh, this a, is a, funny, you know, to... Yeah, like a funny 50 sitcom to suddenly like Twilight Zone. Right. That's what it, yeah, that's what it felt like to me. It felt like kind of like a Twilight Zone, Twin Peaks kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, kudos to him. I, I'm impressed so far, so... Yeah, no, this is pretty sweet. Um, one cool thing about this, because um, we had that gap between... Uh, into Mandalorian and into WandaVision. Granted, Star Wars, Marvel, but still. Right. Like, as far as Disney Plus content. Once WandaVision is done, after nine weeks, we'll have maybe a week. Uh, if, if not, it butts right up to the beginning of uh, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Falcon Winter Soldier, yeah. So we'll be able to just go right into that. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get your more traditional uh, action-paced... Uh, type of show. That's a buddy uh, cop show. Yeah, no, it's, nobody. It's, it's definitely a buddy cop show. Definitely a buddy cop. Show. Definitely buddy a lot cop. of action. Um, we'll, we'll get more uh, involvement with the the Captain America character as far as from the U.S. Uh, from the government side of things because to them Captain America is a U.S. Uh, property. So we're, we'll get um, we'll probably get U.S. agent as kind of a uh, antagonist. In the show, I think, uh, of course, along with General Ross, we may even get some Thunderbolts Easter eggs. So that'll be kind of neat to see. Uh, but speaking of Cap, uh, Chris Evans reportedly is talking to Marvel to come back as Captain America. Now, of course, one of the things that he'll be doing is uh, his voiceover work for the animated What If. Right. It's time to do those Captain America uh, related shows. But, like... Where where could he show up in the MCU now? Like, could he come back as Old Man Cap? Uh, could he come back as actual Captain America? Like, I'm sure he'll make a cameo in like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because you know, like like he appeared in um, uh, Thor to the Dark World and right. that funny scene when uh, Loki changed his appearance to Captain America. Well, right, but, right, yeah. I don't know. Speaking of so, what if, I'm actually really interested in that one. That yeah. one's neat. So yeah, because I, I guess one of the ones that will be happening 
will be what if Steve Rogers became Iron Man and Peggy Carter became uh, Captain Britain. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, now they can she took that. the yeah. yeah, yeah. She took the super serum soldier, and there's kind of like this uh, this Star Girl and Stripe vibe, right? Uh, with what they're doing, so that that's kind of neat. Um, then I think they'll do like a, a a what if Marvel Zombies maybe or something. Yeah, the, yeah. The Marvel Zombies is the thing that was on there. The other thing that was also on that look uh, on the list was uh, what if uh, T'Challa was picked up by the Ravagers instead of uh, Peter, and what if T'Challa Weird. became Star Lord? Why? Why would that? Like, oh, okay, I don't yeah. Know. That's that's another thing that's on. The, well, that's actually in the trailer. If you look at the trailer, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. That they they actually very prominently show that part because they show uh, the him having the Star Lord get up or whatnot, and him p- hitting the the thing on the side of his head to pull his you know face mask yeah mask down, and it's T'Challa, and uh, like you get to see like a a, a scene where with a younger T'Challa. And Michael Michael freaking Rooker as Yondu, you know, <laughs> talking to you know uh, to young T'Challa or whatnot. Now, that will be interesting because the uh, the actors who portrayed the roles in MCU movies are going to be doing the voiceovers. Obviously, we won't yeah. be able to do that with uh, uh, T'Challa. Sadly, well, actually, um, uh, according to what I understand. Uh, that a lot of this was recorded uh, before. Uh, that like it was. I think a lot of it was recorded already. So okay. a lot of it was recorded before uh, Chadwick Boseman passed away. So he's still credited. Good. So, Good. so maybe this will just probably be his, his last MCU entry. Maybe right. I, I don't know if they did the same thing for uh, if there was enough of Black Panther two written for them to do that. I don't know. Um, I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I guess that there is writing going on right now to try and figure out how to how to move on. Right. Uh, from, unfortunately, him passing away. Because they're not recasting him, which is the makes perfect sense. Yeah. We oh, need, yeah. We need to move forward. Uh, you know, and I, I, I wonder if they'll do something with uh, that little Easter egg about uh, the earthquakes that we heard about in Endgame. Right. Uh, maybe there'll be some Atlantis type stuff. Who knows? But right, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I I I could also kind of see it as like uh, we get introduced to Storm, uh, start introducing X Men characters as mm. we go along. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. That that show is interesting to me because I I'm very much I've always been interested in like the What If series. Yeah, and so I think that's kind of cool. Uh, for them to be doing that, and again, yeah, the casting, you know, for them to the voiceover casting for them is is stacked, like oh, yeah. you know, just all the various, you know, people, you know, that are going to be in, in the in it as their MCU counterparts. You know, you've got you know everybody from you know Josh Brolin as Thanos, you know, Haley Atwell as Peg, Peggy Carter. Robert yeah. Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the ones I saw that was just like, oh, yeah, okay, uh, was um, like, you know, obviously Mark Ruffalo you know, as Bruce Banner. Uh, Taika Waititi as Korg. 
you know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Natalie Portman as Jane Foster, you know. Yep. Michael Rooker, like, uh, honestly, Michael Rooker was the best Yondu Odonsa. Like, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's just fantastic. Uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth is Thor. Tom Hiddleston is Loki. You know those Jeff yeah. Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum is the Grandmaster. Oh man, <laughs> he was the greatest. I, I just I, I really enjoyed him and as the Grandmaster. Um, oh. Dominic Cooper played Howard Stark. Here, yeah. here's an idea. I just thought about this. So, what if series, if I understand correctly, it'll be narrated and presented uh, by Uatu the Watcher. Yes. Now, what, pun intended, what if, when it's time for the Fantastic Four movie to start, that we see a live-action Uatu narrating and presenting the story of the Fantastic Four? How cool would that be? Okay, so here's a hilarious anecdote from the uh, the Wikipedia page on this on this uh, show about mm-hmm. Owatu. Uh, yeah, head writer AC Bradley said the Watcher is above everything else, and compared the character to a viewer watching the Pizza Rat video. Have you ever seen the Pizza Rat video? I don't think I have. So the Pizza Rat video is a is a rat carrying a piece of pizza down some steps, uh, in like New York or something like that. Like, quite literally, it's a rat taking a piece of pizza and very, 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 very adamantly pulling this piece of pizza along down the street, down the street. <laughs> and basically stating, he is a guy watching a rat drag a slice of pizza across the platform. He has no interest in becoming friends with the rat, living amongst the rat, or doing rat things. He just goes, man, this is remarkable. Look at that little guy go. <laughs> that is the Watcher's relationship with humanity. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I'm like, that is beautiful, yeah. you know. And well, we've already seen some watchers. True. Yeah. yeah I don't think just they not were named want to. Yeah. Just yeah. Not, yeah. We've seen some because uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Part Volume Two, we got to see some, and of course the uh, obvious uh, speculation that Stan Lee was a watcher. You know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but uh, oh, don't make me cry. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jeffrey Wright though playing playing the watcher so he's sounds he's got a lot of chops westworld okay um he was in bojack uh, I, I will take your word for it he was in house uh movies oh okay i know who this guy is he was in the hunger games all right now i know who this guy is because i'm like i'm trying to think like who is this guy like and i'm like oh yeah right he was in hunger games uh in the in Catching Fire and the mock, both Mocking Jays, uh, um, he's in. Oh, he's going to be in the Batman. That's interesting. Oh, the um, the the, the, the Robert Pattinson Batman, the, yeah, 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 the the, the noir Batman. Yeah, he's playing Jim Jim Gordon. Oh, okay. so yeah, the uh, not not as yet Commissioner Jim Gordon. Yeah. So yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's he's a good actor. I, I will be excited to see how they present him uh, as in this show. So, but that's that says that's coming somewhere in mid twenty twenty one. So somewhere sometime this year, uh, which will be after Loki. Because yeah, 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 I think they'll yeah, I think they'll uh, well obviously they're doing Wandavision. They'll do uh, Falcon Winter Soldier next and lead right into Loki. Yes. And then probably do what if. Yeah. Before they do something else. Um, 
Falcon and Winter Soldier is is first slated for March. Yeah. So March nineteenth, and then May twenty twenty one is Loki. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and then yeah. we got mid twenty twenty one for What If. After that is late twenty twenty one for Miss Marvel and Hawkeye. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, so uh, that will be interesting. I'm actually looking really looking forward to Ms. Marvel. Uh, a lot of a lot of people are. I, yeah. I've not read uh, any of her books um, as far as the uh, the the Inhuman uh, right. Ms. Marvel. Right. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it from the standpoint that maybe eventually, uh, and it probably won't be in like the first season of Ms. Marvel. But uh, I'm hoping that eventually, maybe within the second season, that they will bring in uh, uh, Squirrel Girl. Oh my God! So I I love I'm a big fan of Squirrel Girl. She's awesome. So I'm excited for that. That would be kind of interesting to see. Um, you know, what, you know which one I'm really upset that's that's done. Although I I I think I still need to catch up on the last season of it, which is uh, Runaways. That was a show that was really good. I I never got into that. Like, I, again, I just just me being old, I guess. Well, to be fair, but, but, like that was when they were breaking everything up on a different. True. There, yeah. There's that which that that part's like oh, I gotta go watch it on all these different channels. Like that that's the first thing. Second thing is um is the fact that it's on a channel that's aimed for a super young demographic. And it's like, well, this has a tag on it that being well, Marvel. that that was that was Hulu, that was direct to Hulu. What? Run, oh, Runaway, well, Runaways was direct to Hulu. Oh, I'm getting it confused with the uh, Cloak, Cloak and Dagger. Dagger. Yeah, yeah. That was first on, season on of that show was actually really, really good. Yeah. Like I didn't get to, see, I didn't even get a chance to get back and like actually like watch like the second season of it, but. It, it, that that's why I'm concerned with this uh, the the Ms. Marvel uh, stuff. It's like I understand the fan base and, and all that, and that's great. And I do want to watch it to try and at least stay up on what's going on. But like, I don't think the show is for me as far as how it's being uh, or, or who it's targeting, as far as the audience that they're wanting to get with that show. That that's just my helicopter view looking at it from like way far out we're not even there yet right i I just i have that feeling that you know i'm going to try watching it not get the gist of it not understand like it whatever just kind of go along with the ride like what and not not be the the front seat passenger but be uh back seat passenger side passenger the one that nobody else can see it doesn't matter that person's there right like that's kind of where I feel like I'll be sitting, waiting for the ride to end. Right. Yeah, I, I think that one's going to be interesting because of how they're going to tie it into uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And now, obviously, because Captain Marvel, they, they, can't, they can't not do it because Captain oh. Marvel is a huge part of the Ms. Marvel comic book series. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, she, I... she is literally, you know, Kamala's, you know... Uh, you know, uh, idol. You know, right. she is. You know, the character that she, you know, absolutely. You know, you know, idolizes. You yeah, know. Yeah, but see, here, here's the thing. Carol hasn't been on Earth a whole lot. No. So, um, how did 
how did Kamala get to know this character, uh, know of this hero, and be able to idolize her? Like that whole area where the Avengers HQ was in 2023, and probably that whole zip code right. uh, is completely destroyed. Right. Like the uh, amount of logistics and cleanup and work to how even make sure that the environment is, uh, 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 is healed from the pollution and everything. Right. Like all, all that has to have some type of real world uh, uh, time to, I'm losing words. It, it's going to take time to fix it. Kind of like in uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, where some of the destruction of the ch- of the Chitari was being worked on. You saw that at the beginning of the movie to give that sense of like, oh yeah, this part of New York is effed up. Like you you got that. All right, we're past this. We're now fixing and building and cleaning up from it. And oh, here's this like Chitari tech. I'm going to keep this. You know. I don't. I'm not saying that we should have some type of special movie or TV show that that denotes that, but like, where, when did Kamala first see like Captain Marvel flying through the sky rescuing a kid and whatever? Right. Right. That that's what I'm. That that's the connection I'm trying to understand. So yeah, yeah. I think they'll they'll handle that pretty well. So yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited for all the slew of the the Marvel. Oh, uh, oh, stuff yeah. coming like, out to share for yeah. sure. Every Friday for us is uh, turned into all right, cool. Uh, she's home from work, whatever. We're settled in. We've eaten. Let's watch a, a program, and when that's over, tune on something else for a little bit, and then go to sleep. Right. So it's kind of become our thing. Um, we'll of course have to adjust again once everything quote goes back to normal. Uh, I hate using that phrase, but you know that's just what it is. Right. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, I, I know that if I'm sitting down watching something on Disney Plus, it's Friday. So that's kind of a good feeling. I'm That's a little positive thing I'm trying to hold on to while we're still all kind of waiting for vaccinations and all that stuff. Right. All right. Well, I think uh, we can get close to wrapping up here. Yeah, we did it. We hit the two hour mark. I was worried there for a minute. I'm like, we had a lot to talk about with Kaldheim. We're not even close to like our normal two hour spot yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So let's let's wrap up episode thirty. Yay! Yeah. Episode thirty. Thirty episodes. Look yeah. at us. Yep. Uh, so again, uh, let's uh, wrap up by having Scott tell everybody where they can find him on the internet. Uh, just don't give away too much information. I don't. I don't know. Right. Uh, yeah. I was say find me. Oh, on the internet. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at, on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, at MTG Packfoils, uh, I'm more active on Twitter. Um, I, I'm I'm sorry if you look at my timeline recently. It's just it's kind of trash because I'm not too happy with uh, elected officials and how 2021 has been so far. But we're going to get through this, and uh, we're going to talk about happy stuff. Um, there's still a lot of fallout from uh, events in the real world. Uh, we're even hearing things now of who some Major League Baseball teams uh, donate money to for political reasons, it's not a surprise. So, you know, we're going to have to clean this laundry one thing at a time. Uh, so just kind of hang in there. I, I, I'm i trying to get back to posting memes and jokes and, and things like that. So, you know, if, you, if you're if you new to me on Twitter, 
just bear with me. Things will be okay. From recording, we have 75 days until Red's opening day. So my timeline is going to get better, I promise. Uh, Joe, uh, I hear you write articles about Legacy and Vintage. Uh, where can people find you on the internet and your content? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter, as always, at 4FXP. Uh, you can also find me at MTG Goldfish every Tuesday and Thursday, uh, this week in Legacy and Vintage 101. Also imminently about to be finding me on YouTube under RollerFXP. Uh, well, I mean, I'm already on YouTube uh, that way, but you'll be able to find more because I'll be posting more stuff uh, to that. Uh, I'll also be on Twitch at VorFXP, uh, hopefully at some point, as soon as I can hash out a more stable uh, streaming schedule to actually start doing it. Like, at least like start like once a week or so making sure I'm getting on and doing something, but just trying to make sure I have that schedule established uh, and sticking to that schedule uh, is a good thing. So, but uh, that's, yeah, that's where you can find my stuff. Uh, you can also find the cast at the Astrolab cast on Twitter. You can also find uh, us at the Astrolab podcast, gmail.com. Uh, if you have any feedback, please send. I sure uh, things should go a little bit smoother uh, now that I have a much better computer. That's for sure. So, <laughs> uh, so hopefully that won't take too long to to do. But yeah, so that that basically wraps up uh, episode thirty. Uh, thank you guys for sticking with us and for thirty episodes, and we'll look to head to thirty more hopefully. So, uh, so anyways, uh, have a great night, everybody, and take it easy. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening.